You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. There's nothing better than a Friday, Acadiana. Welcome to the Friday Fun Show. Matt Miguez, James Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. Man, what a show we have for you today. James, buddy, it's Friday. How you feeling? Oh, I'm having the time of my life, Matt. How about you? I mean, you better be. You're with me. Of course. I mean, come on. And... The next two hours, we're going to sit here and talk about sports the whole time. It's going to be fantastic. So here's the deal. Normally, we have a guest in the 4 o'clock hour, and then we have a guest or two in the 5 o'clock hour. Well, today, there's no guest in the 4 o'clock hour. That means the 4 o'clock hour is wide open to you. 337 706 0111. Call us up on the game hotline. Give us your thoughts on the weekend ahead or you know anything that's happened over the past week. Anything you want to get to. 706-0111. Let's make it happen. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast. Stadium 32.3 and channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Louisiana Raging Cajuns hosted Georgia Southern last night. And for lack of a better phrase, took care of business. 36-17 to 17 victory for the Cajuns, scoring 20 points in the second quarter was the difference. Ben Wooldridge had a solid night, going 17-31 of 31 for 193 yards and three touchdowns. He did look a little injured at points. Uh, even had to go in the injury tent late in the fourth quarter, so obviously we'll monitor that. As, as they head into the weekend and into next week. The run game was incredibly efficient, 242 yards on the ground for the Cajuns while holding Georgia Southern to only 72 yards on the ground. Uh, but they were able to attack through the air, especially later in the game. Kyle Van Treese finishing 28 for 49 for 325 yards and a touchdown. They even had a halfback pass go for a touchdown. Uh, O.J. Arnold was 1-1 one of one for 32 yards and a score. I mean, how, how could you get a better, you know, what, what's the uh, a better stat line passing-wise than that? One for one, 32 yards and a score. And that's easy. But again, Cajuns winning 36-17, to 17, great performance by the defense last night for Louisiana. Uh, getting a couple sacks, including a strip sack, Zion Hill tying the Zion Hill Green, excuse me, tying the career sacks record at Louisiana at 21 and a half. And Kenneth Almendaris also tied the school record for the most field goal makes in a game with five. Leading tackler for Louisiana. How about Trey Amos with eight, including a tackle for a loss? Cam Podesclo and Jordan Quibido each with seven on the night. So now the Cajuns are five and five. They've got two games left to go. They've got to get one of them to obtain bowl eligibility. Now next Saturday, you're going to Florida State. The chances there, let's just be honest, they're not great. 
However, the weekend after that, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, you will be in San Marcos, Texas to play Texas State. Now that is a team that has never beaten you. Granted, this is a pretty good Texas State team. I still think it's a team that the Cajuns can beat and should beat. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens that last Saturday of the season in, in San Marcos, Texas. But the Cajuns have two games left, and they just need one to go to a bowl game in Michael Desermo's first year as head coach. If you want to talk about the Cajuns game, once again, the hotline number, 706-0111. Looking ahead to the weekend, though, the Fighting Tigers of LSU will be playing at Arkansas tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. You can hear it here on the game. There's some great college football action going on. And James, jog my memory here. I want to say that there's a pretty famous UFC fighter from Lafayette fighting tomorrow night. Sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. Uh, Dustin Dustin is his his name? Poirier? I don't know. Dustin Poirier? No, that can't be it. That that can't be it. No. (laughs) Anyways, Dustin Poirier against Michael Chandler tomorrow night, UFC 281. It's actually a pretty insane card. When, when you look at it, uh, you're going to see Israel Adesanya defend the middleweight championship against Alex Pereira. You're going to see the women's strawweight title be defended as Carla Esparza, who hasn't lost since 2018, will defend her title. Poirier and Chandler will be the third match of the night. And you'll also see Dan the Hangman Hooker in the opening fight of the 9 o'clock card. At 5.30, we will be joined by Blaine Henry. He is the host of the Fight Library podcast. Uh, We will talk all things UFC with him and get his thoughts on the card tomorrow night. And then, what would a Friday fun show be without our guy Jake Crane? We'll do Jake's takes at the beginning of the 5 o'clock hour. In the 4 o'clock hour, once again, we're going to break down more of the Cajuns' win over Georgia Southern. We're going to talk Thursday night football and what a crapshoot that was last night. We will talk about the Houston Astros and how they now need a new general manager and an assistant general manager for that matter. And so much more right here on Crunch Time. It is a Friday fun show edition. Looking at some top stories, Shaquille Leonard getting placed on the IR by the Indianapolis Colts. Josh Allen could miss a game on Sunday. According to the Bills, they are taking his injury, quote, hour by hour. I'm not sure what that means. I mean, obviously, I know what it means. They're taking it hour by hour, but my question is why? Like, wouldn't you just say he's a game-time decision? Wouldn't you say he's day-to-day? Buffalo, why you got to be extra? Why you got to sit there and say hour to hour? So, James, I'm going to bring you in on this. In your opinion, do you think that the Bills might be trying to downplay the severity of Allen's injury? I don't know how you'd be downplaying if you're being like, I'm, we're literally going to monitor it monitor it every hour on the hour. I don't know how you would do that because if you're doing that and you're explaining it just like that, 
then you're actually really worried about it. I don't see how that would be downplaying. I just feel like that's extra. Yeah. Yeah, it's you, it's it's, it's it's a little much. It's a little much. Cuz you think everything's extra. I mean, you are extra. No. This would be the first game that Josh Allen misses since 2018 in his rookie season. Coincidentally, he also missed those games. He missed four games because of a UCL injury in his right elbow. So this isn't the first time he's had this injury. Is this almost like the Olympics where it happens once every four years? Every four years. And then watch, he doesn't miss another game for four more years. And yeah. Then and then it's UCL like, oh, injury again. Dang, look at that. UCF, that, UCF that, popped up again. That UCL's back, man. Yeah. God, what are, what are we doing? Can we talk about the Pelicans for a second? Yeah, of course we can. Made me mad. They made you upsetty spaghetti. Um, uh, I know you're trying to get me to say it. It's not gonna happen. Um, that one time was pretty good though. That that and that one time is all you're gonna get. I was I was super just in the moment and it just came out. I know it's a team game. However, I am a believer that when you have a player like Zion Williamson score 29 points and the Trailblazers are without their star you should not lose you should not especially in your home court now obviously when I ask this question I know who this guy is but are you better ask about Jeremy Grant who the hell is Jeremy oh, Grant my God I can't believe you. like are you kidding me that guy is going to come into your house and torch you. I mean, he stuffed the stat sheet. 27, 8, 4, and 4. Even got a block. Like, the guy stuffed the stat sheet in your own house. And then the turnovers. The disparity between turnovers is sickening. 17 turnovers for the Pelicans. Portland only turned it over eight times. And I believe it was nine times in the third quarter is, is, uh, is what happened for the Pelicans. Oh, God. So over half of them came in one quarter, which, granted, you look at it, they only the point differential in that quarter was 10. So you felt like, well, maybe the damage wasn't so bad, but still, the fact that you turned it over nine times in one quarter, now when the third quarter is kind of like that time where you can kind of you were up six right. at halftime, but still to potentially kind of push it forward and lead by at least 10 heading into the fourth quarter, maybe even 15. Right. You lost that because you turned it over nine times. Now, Jackson Hayes and Dyson Daniels, neither one of them played last night. What's, what's the, what's the, were they on rest or like, what's the story behind that? Because that's that seems a little strange to me. Now, I mean, I'm not saying Jackson Hayes is like this, you know, superstar player that's got to play, you know, 25 minutes a night. Well, you have to remember a lot of the time last year you didn't see Trey Murphy at all when he was in his rookie year. See, so, yeah, I mean, the Dyson Daniels thing. I mean, that's so it kind of feels like you don't want to throw your rookie out there maybe every night, right? And and that's fine. But Jackson Hayes, Jackson Hayes, he's why didn't been, he play? He's been kind of. 
throughout his career, he's kind of been off and on. Like he'll have moments where you're like, "How are you in the NBA? Well, why are you? Are you? That's maybe true. you should just be in the G League." But then there are other times where you're like, "Wow, he he could be almost your six man." Not sure. He 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 could almost be a starting four. He could start. Like it's so weird. With oh yeah. With with a uh, Jackson, there's there's some games and there's even stretches of games where you're like sign that guy to a six year deal, and then it's like trade him now. But you also look at Portland in that matchup. You're not really scared of any of their bigs. No. So it's kind of like, do you really need to go to the big lineup and have to throw Jackson out there? I guess not. You could you. I think what it kind of seemed like they were kind of going. A little bit almost kind of size-wise. But but as somebody who didn't get to catch the game because they were working, you know, you you look at the you look at the score, you look at the stats, and you go, hmm, Jackson Hayes would have played, do you see a different ball game maybe? Nah, I mean, I'm not saying Jackson Hayes is that much of a difference maker because I don't believe that. But you do have to ask that question because say he does play and say he has one of his big nights. Maybe you win the game. You did. But the biggest thing to me is you you had six guys. Or you, had, you had five guys play 30-plus minutes. Yep. One of them being C.J. McCollum, who had an off-night shooting. He knocked down one out of seven three attempts. And he only scored 13 points in the game. Same thing with B.I. The fact that B.I. and C.J., those are supposed to be kind of like your two leaders with Zion kind of being like, that just efficient scorer. He still got his twenty nine. He he knocked down over half of his shots as yep. he kind of just usually does because he's just a force in the paint and just gets there whenever he fi- wants to. Ten of fifteen from the free throw line. Yeah, he he's knocking them down. But the fact that neither Bi nor CJ had good shooting heights and they didn't make up for it at the free throw line at the charity stripe because they both combined for zero free throw mm-hmm. attempts. That's another big thing. And B.I. fouled out, too. Yes. Like, you look at the plus-minus. Minus 17 for B.I. Only minus one for C.J., which is interesting. Minus 12 for Zion. Every starter for the Pelicans was in the negative. That's not great. And same thing with Trey. Trey was at a minus seven. Yeah, that's not great. Larry Nance, though. Larry Nance has been... He didn't do it last night, but I remember... It was it was last week. Dude, dude uh, made like ten out of twelve shots because he just kept dunking the ball on everybody. It was like Larry Nance this is just the Larry Nance show. Larry Nance is just a special cat. He is. He, he's he's a special. I'm guy. glad that he's I'm glad that he's like fully healthy now because last year when Agreed. the Pelicans traded for him, he he was still recovering and he just didn't look the same. But now he's he's looking explosive. Agreed. Agreed. Your poll question of the day is LSU versus Arkansas a trap game? Which is a different poll question I thought we were going to go with, but we can go with the other one next we'll, week. We'll, we'll discuss the other one. We'll, but we'll but we'll, we'll actually do it next week. Yeah. Yes. No. You're nervous either way. There there are those people. There are those fans where it's like just, no matter I'm what. I'm just nervous. You're just nervous. I get nervous for every game. It, it's, it, I feel like it's almost that effect because every once in a while you've seen in LSU's history that Cajuns, Saints, LSU, whoever's playing. I get anxious and nervous for every game. Astros, not so much because they play 162 of them. During the postseason now, 
anxious every game. But like some April Thursday night regular. Uh, you need to get on foot's level. Like, I, no, that's not that's not a big deal to me. But uh, tomorrow, LSU Arkansas, absolutely a trap game. Yeah, absolutely, it's a trap game. It doesn't matter what the records because, are because you lose, you're done. Yep, you're done. You have to play mistake free the rest of the way. You are done. And even if you go beat Georgia and win the SEC, you're not getting in the playoff. That would put oh, a SEC championship would put you in the Rose Bowl, not the Rose Bowl, the Sugar Bowl. It would put you in a New Year's Six Bowl, which I mean. Is great, but a three-loss team's not getting in the playoff. No, that's that's why I said if you beat Alabama, you have a chance, but you have to play perfect the rest of the way. Yep. You you can't lose another game because you, they're not going to allow- slip up. The fact that they would even be allowing a two-loss LSU team—it's it, never happened. That would that would still be utterly insane because a, yeah, they don't a, do that. A two-loss team has never been put in the playoff. So. Yeah, tomorrow, you'd already be skin, getting by by the skin of your teeth if you get in. Tomorrow is absolutely a trap game. LSU is the better team, no question about it. And then you add in the injuries for Arkansas, that just makes it worse. And you wonder about the QB situation for Arkansas, how that's going to play out tomorrow. The weather, you're traveling to Fayetteville, you have everything to lose, and. Arkansas is just kind of, you know, playing to play at this point. Yeah, it's definitely a trap game. Uh, Steve Flint commented, absolutely, after such a big win, it isn't hard to overlook a team who's having a down year. Hopefully BK has them ready when the bell rings. Go Tigers. Are you are you really worried, though, about the weather? Absolutely. Like, of it being 40 degrees? Absolutely. You're worried about that? Think about it. None of these kids played in that have played in that weather this year. I'd, I'd get it if you were playing in 20-degree weather. You'd be playing in snow, but it's like... I mean, if, oh, you've ever, if you've ever lived in Louisiana, you know it can get down to the 30s. You know it can get to the 40s, and yeah, it's, it's there but, for a few weeks to a but month. But that, that, first, that first game that you play when it's you know if ni- any, nice and chilly if outside... If anything, that wakes you up more because you're like, ooh, it's nippy. It's, gonna, it's it, nippy it, outside. It's going to take your body a little bit longer to warm up. You, you're gonna have to get your muscles right, and you know it, it's been that chilly in Arkansas most of this week. They practiced in it. I think from a weather perspective, Arkansas's got the advantage. Now, do I think that the weather plays like a major factor? No, but I, I definitely think that it's something that you know you need to take into consideration. Let's go to the hotline now, Doug. What's up? Hey, man, I got a little something on uh, LSU-Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Now, if LSU should happen to trip up and lose, and Ole Miss loses to Alabama, then LSU still has a shot at the, uh, the SEC West. Am I correct? Let me double-check that. I believe um... so. Ole Miss would have to lose, too. Now, being a trap game, that yeah, I mean – it always is when you have so much uh, at stake. So yeah, I don't know if what, I don't know what the, uh, the shape of the uh, Arkansas quarterback is. I mean, I'm hearing stuff about him being injured or he's not. Yeah, injured he, he's been he's been hurt most of the year. 
Um, he played last week, but he didn't play very well. Right. Um, yeah, I went back and watched a couple of Arkansas games to see, you know, what's up. Right. Again, kind of doing a little scouting, you know, and uh, there's something about their defense that's, that's going to be tough for LSU, and that's their two linebackers. One of them's name is uh, Bumper Pool. Bumper Pool, yeah. Bumper Pool, he's number 10, 230, uh, 222 or 232, and uh, 6'2". He's almost the same size as uh, our linebacker. Uh, oh, my God, my, my brain is freezing on me right now. Uh, number 40, our linebacker. Harold Perkins? Right, right, Perkins. Okay, man, I was having a brain freeze. He's almost the same size as Perkins. Yeah. As a matter of fact, he's almost just as fast. Now, a Buffalo Pool had made a tackle on Bryce Young, almost similar, almost identical to what Perkins did against Bryce Young, chasing him out to the side and, and grabbing him by one ankle and tackling him. Yep. I mean, it was almost identical, bro. Look, those two linebackers are going to be a problem with Arkansas. I agree. Now, their, DB, their DBs, are, are, are that, that's going to be easy. They not the um, – Arkansas defense likes to do exotic stuff, like they play zero coverage. They'll get everybody up into the box, and then all when the ball is hiked, some will drop back into coverage, and the rest will come. But I don't know if they'll do that, Miguel, because of our receivers. We got three good receivers, and if they leave man yeah, you, on man you gotta out on the them. edge, I mean, yeah, no, ooh, you got you got to respect them. See that Daniels is going to have to see that. Got to recognize that. Get rid of the ball quickly. You know, just chuck it out there. Let the receivers go get it. Yep, absolutely. I, I, I see LSU taking Arkansas by double digit numbers. I don't know why they got the they got the numbers where they at. I, that just doesn't make sense to me. And maybe it's something Las Vegas knows that we don't know. But I'm looking for a good game, and I'm looking for LSU to come come back home with the win and seal up the West. That's what I'm hoping for anyway. No, absolutely, Doug. Appreciate the call, man. Thank you, bro. So, yeah, quick quick story about Bumper Pool. Um, when when we worked SEC Media Days over the summer, he um, he was one of the, the players with the University of Arkansas. And when I tell you that kid is every pound of 230, that is a – buff looking individual that is a big old boy and he's going to be a problem for for LSU's offense tomorrow so definitely looking forward to watching that matchup once again 11 a.m pregame starts at 9 and you can hear it all right here on the game and then after that later in the day the LSU men's basketball team takes on Arkansas State inside the PMAC pregame will be at 4 30 and tip is set for five and you can listen to all the Tiger action right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll take a timeout. When we return, we will talk more about the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and we have audio from head coach Michael Desermo right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
back here on the game. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. Once again, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns winning big last night by the final score of 36-17. to After the game, Michael Desermo met with the media, and it was a much happier presser than the Cajuns have had over the last couple of weeks. Here is the head coach's opening statement. All right, so, you know, really proud of our kids putting together, you know, a four-quarter football game. Um, we talked about, you know, needing all three phases to play for four quarters, and we got that tonight. Um, a fast start again, which is huge. Uh, you know, for us, that's something that, you know, you start fast and, and you can kind of keep your foot on the gas a little bit. I thought our defense did a really a, a phenomenal job. I mean, this offense has been putting up points in bunches. Um, did a really good job tonight, you know, slowing it down. You know, definitely they got some yards. They're a good football team. I mean, you know, I have a lot of respect for that program for a long time. Coach Helton and his history and what he's done, um, and certainly that team and the way they've played. Uh, you know, tonight was about our guys going out there and just refusing to be denied, and we talked about that, and we talked about what's at stake for us. So really good to come out, get the taste out of our mouth from last week, and finish a game in the fourth quarter. So uh, Really proud. You know, certainly there's going to be a lot of things to fix. We need to score a touchdown instead of field goals. I know that's what we're going to talk about, and that's no doubt. Um, but it makes it a lot easier when you have a big lead and your kicker's nailing them, you know, to keep putting points on the board. So really, uh, really proud of this team tonight. Coach also talked about the play of his defense in last night's performance. Well, I, I think our defensive staff does a really good job of putting our players in situations to get one-on-one -on -one pass rushes. Um, I thought tonight we did a phenomenal job of mixing up drop eight coverage and pressures. Um, you know, you can't be all or all one way or the other. You have to mix it up a little bit to keep them on their toes. And I thought we did a good job of it. That quarterback is really good. He makes great decisions. And tonight he didn't really make many bad decisions. You know, he did a great job. They had some shots called. He checked it down when it wasn't there. Um, and certainly they made some plays down the field. But, you know, for us it was, uh, it was about mixing it up a little bit, getting our guys an opportunity to rush one-on-one. -on -one. And I, I said it, you know, during the week, I felt like that offensive line was, was really pretty good. And, um, you know, I'm proud of our guys, especially down a few men, uh, to go out there and go play really well. But defensively, all year, you know, those guys have just been consistent. And it just it's, it makes your job a whole lot easier when you're getting some stops and things like that. And then lastly, he talked about the effectiveness of their rushing attack, getting over 200 yards for the second straight game. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, Felt like we ran the ball well, you know, felt like we had a good plan. Our, our staff, I thought, did a really good job. You know, we prepared for these guys quite a bit, you know, um, leading up to this. And then certainly, you know, the last few days getting ready for it. And I thought we had a good, simple plan that we could execute. And certainly, it doesn't matter what the plan is if your players don't go out there and play. And our offensive line, you know, they're, they're finally getting a lot of confidence in playing together. And they're finally kind of getting that, that, that mentality that it takes to be really good on the offensive line. And, um, our backs are playing really well. They're hitting it. You know, you know, you got a bunch of guys that are carrying the football. They're doing a good job, and um, you know, you got to run the ball to win. And tonight we were able to do that. You know, and so got to keep building off of that. Got to continue to find ways to get us good runs, to get us an advantage runs, and uh, put our kids in position to have success. So tonight was was a good. It was a good. I guess it was a good showing of our coaches doing a good job, getting them ready to go play, and our players going out there and just doing their job, man, and executing and doing it really well and playing hard. All right, James. Houston Astros announced today that Jose Altuve and Jordan Alvarez were both named Silver Slugger Award, Award winners. 
for Altuve, it's his sixth, which breaks the Astros franchise record previously held by Craig Biggio. Jordan's first. Massive, you know, acknowledgement. Uh, Silver Slugger is the top offensive award in the game of baseball. Um, So for Jose has six of them. That's crazy. They do it for one of each of the positions? Correct. In in AL and NL. Okay. Um, So yeah, six of them. He won it every year from 2014 to 2018. Mm-hmm. And then he won it in 2020. He won it this year. Or, yeah, he won it this year. 14, 15, 16, yeah, 17, 18, 18, 18. Yeah, and then 2021. 22. Yeah. Yeah, six of them. That's nuts. And then Jordan, I mean, just, I mean, what do you, What more can you say? It was The guy it was, put up insane numbers this year. And that was with him missing some time. Right. Yeah, he, he missed almost 30 games. And for him to still have those, it's uh, absolutely unreal. Um, and then let's get to the bad news about the Astros. They have decided to part ways with general manager James Click after three seasons. Uh, they could not reach an agreement on a contract extension. Uh, multiple reports. There have been conflicting reports. Some people have said that James Click was fired. Which doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't, because how do you fire somebody that's not under contract? Um... But they also did fire the assistant GM. They fired GM. the assistant GM, Scott Powers, as well, yes. So wh- what What I saw the most on social media was that they tried to reach a contract extension with Click. He wanted a raise. They couldn't meet on a number. And from the way that it was worded on social media, it looked like they would take a couple days off and then get back to discussions. And apparently at the GM meetings in Vegas earlier this week, James Click was you know, airing his grievances, if you will, uh, about the situation. And so that's when the Astros decided that they would not continue negotiations and, and would be in search for a new general manager. So, crazy to think that six days after you win the World Series, you no longer have a GM. And... You you would you know you would look at it and go well you know if another team would have hired him like that's one thing no like you just couldn't reach a contract negotiation with him and now he's just gone and then everybody's like oh bring back Jeff Lunau he's currently suing the Astros so that's not gonna happen but I mean I guess I guess you can you can dream right anyways bygones be bygones right. Just just drop the lawsuit. We'll give you your job back. Like, we, we could make something work here. <laughs> the Sweet Dough Pie Festival is coming back and serving up a slice of history and deliciousness. Every year, pastry chefs and home cooks vie to be crowned best in the Sweet Dough Pie Contest, where the public is the judge. And, of course, a live variety of pies are available for purchase. The rescheduled Sweet Dough Pie Festival returns tomorrow from 9 to 3 at Grand Coteau Town Park in Grand Coteau. For more information, call 331-6352 or visit the Town of Grand Coteau's Facebook page. We'll take a time out, and when we return, James and I will talk Thursday night football, and we will also touch on what's happening in the world of college sports the today and later this weekend. Here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. 
This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Let's play a game. Which quarterback was worse last night? Because they were both really bad. Like, really bad. I mean, Marcus Mariota, 19 of 30. Okay, that's fine. 186 yards. Eh. Two touchdowns. Okay, cool. One interception. Eh. You got sacked five times. Now, granted, part of that's on your offensive line, but... And then P.J. Walker only threw the ball 16 times, barely got over 100 yards, didn't even throw a touchdown. I said watch out for Deontay Foreman. He had a hell of a game, didn't he? The oh man. Was Deontay, it was the Deontay Foreman show. That was, and that was even with Chuba Hubbard playing. I mean, he didn't do much. He only carried the ball five times. I know, but, but the, yeah. fact, the fact that we anticipated him being out, he, just, he ends up playing, LaVisca and it Chenault, doesn't matter. LaVisca Chenault can run the football? You don't remember what he did against the Saints on that screen? I mean, that was a screenplay, though. Actually, I, I don't even think it was a screen from what I remember. It, it was. Oh, it was. It was It was a dump pass. It was a dump pass screenplay. Absolutely. Um, Two carries, 42 yards, and a score. And what's funny is you look at his numbers and go, oh, two carries, he had 21 yards a carry. Eh. One carry was for 41 yards, and then the second one, he barely got a yard. But, you know, we'll, we'll call a spade a spade. Eddie Pinheiro had a had a pretty good night for the Panthers. He kicked three field goals, four field goals on, on the night. And then you had the LaVisca Chenault touchdown and the Deontay Foreman touchdown. And then for the Falcons, Young Ho Ku hit one. Then you had the Drake London Pass from Mariota, and then Kaderil Hodge caught a 25-yard touchdown pass from Mariota as well. And the Falcons had two PATs get blocked in this game, which isn't great. However, the Falcons lost. Carolina did the Saints a solid. As a Saints fan, James, can you be mad? Because now... The Saints take care of business on Sunday, and Tampa loses. You're looking at a three-way tie for first place in the division. At three and... I mean, Carolina's three and seven. They're fourth in the NFC South. The Saints are three and... They'd be four and six. If Tampa loses, they'd be four and six. Carolina, I mean, Atlanta's now four and six with the the loss last night. Yeah, you're looking at a three way tie in in the NFC South in a terrible division. I hate this division. It's so. Do, and do you remember? It wasn't that long ago that it was the toughest division in football. Mm-hmm. The turn the turns have tabled because you had Carolina with Cam Newton. Yeah. You had Atlanta with Matt Ryan, and then you had the Saints with Drew Brees. It was the, and then Tampa was just the oddball out. They were okay. But they would still compete. They would compete. They were okay. They, they would always finish roughly around 500. 
But it was the toughest division in football. And now it's it may very well be the worst division this year. Yeah, they're competing with the AFC South. And it may very well be the worst division of football. To um, me, they're they're doing better at being worse. God. How about big news for the 49ers? They're gonna get ten players back on or eight players back for Sunday night. Debo Samuel, Juwan Jennings, Kyle Juszczyk, Dre Greenlaw, Elijah Mitchell, Jordan Willis. They're going to have so many new weapons back in their offense. But here's the problem. They're going to have to cut some people. They only have three open roster spots right now. Now, they'll get a fourth open when they put Jason Verrett on injured reserve. But, I mean, that you're going to have to cut four people or put four people on the practice squad if you've got room on the practice squad. So Kyle Shanahan and, and uh, the, the front office of the San Francisco 49ers are going to have some work to do there. That's, um, that's never fun. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk in the second hour about the Saints game, but while we've got, you know, two minutes until we need to take a timeout here, James, just, you know, two days before the game, what, what's running through your mind about this game with the Steelers? I mean, it's going to be terrible. Yeah, it's not going to be fun it, to cover. I mean, it, it's um, it's two bad football teams. What I'm looking at, which I had brought up, a, I made my usual Meshes Friday 5 article, which you can go see some of those. 1037thegame.com? Correct. Or 1041thegame.com? Correct. Mundo Muchacho. Uh, but another thing that really stands out to me, because I had mentioned, I talked about Taysom Hill, I talked about the rookies, I and big thing that I had really mentioned was TJ Watt. Yeah, he'll be this, back. This is the first time he'll be back since week one. It's huge. He had a pectoral, and then he was also dealing with a knee injury. He's officially back. Yeah, it's huge. It's it's worrisome. And then even one guy that's always under the radar that no one ever talks about, Cam Hayward. Yeah. No one ever talks about him as like a premier or top, top of the line, top five edge or defensive lineman. But dude always stands out every year. Dude's all dude always yeah. makes an impact. He, he's, he's always he's always quietly up there. Um I, I think the reason that people don't talk about him a whole lot is the fact that he's thirty three. But I, I do agree, most of his career people, you know, haven't really spent too much time talking about him. But uh yeah, Cam Hayward is definitely a a monster up in the middle for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because I'm also interested now. Now you do have Jarvis Landry back, so yeah, which is huge. The burden doesn't fall as much on that's, Chris Olave anymore. Big for the Saints, it helps. Which because now at that point, Jarvis has been a wide receiver one before. He's been the X before. He can you step like up him, into that you role. Could, you like him to be in the slot, but Mike's not there. So what the Saints should be doing is moving him to the X, so Olave doesn't have to do that anymore. And you can use Olave as the Y and have him be a deep threat. Correct. That way you can hit on those. Correct. Even though I don't feel as great about Andy Dalton throwing throwing them as consistently as as I would James Winston. Correct, Mundo, muchacho. But I feel better about Andy Dalton getting Alvin Kamara the ball more consistently. You're right on, Professor. Uh huh. Absolutely. 
Yes, sir, bro, tato chip. Saints win? No. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm saying no because I'm just going with reverse psychology. Oh, because that's worked so well. It, I mean, other than the Saints losing on Monday, it's it's hit. Okay. It's not like I'm going to kiss a death unlike you. Take a timeout, wrap up hour number one after this, right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. One of the things I love about betting on the NFL is that I'm always finding new players or game props I like. And what's cool about FanDuel Sportsbook is you can combine these props with other bets from the same game to score an even bigger payout. Perfect for Sunday Saints game. I'll take an Alvin Kamara anytime touchdown, the under on Andy Dalton's passing yards, and then the under on Najee Harris's rushing yards. Same game parlays are just one of the reasons why I bet with FanDuel. You get fast withdrawals when you win, and then there's odds boosts and specials each day and some super big boosts each weekend around the local and national matchups. There's no feeling nailing a same game parlay bet, so lock in your bet today on FanDuel Sportsbook. New to FanDuel? Sign up today with promo code KLWB for a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is not withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants help, Call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back to Crunch Time. 4.54. Got a couple minutes left before we finish up hour number one. Let's quickly go back to the Saints. And we let, let's talk a little bit more of that Saints-Steelers matchup a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be a bad... It's, it's not going to be very good. It's going to be a bad game. Because you look at Kenny Pickett, rookie quarterback, the offense as a whole has struggled. And I mentioned Najee Harris in that, in that read. He's also gonna get re- he's he's gonna get a reduced workload, so they're also gonna be looking to young running back Jalen Warren. Uh huh. So that's gonna be interesting to see because overall the the Steelers offense they they have not been very good to say the very least. They haven't been able to put up a lot of yards, and they also really struggled to get in the end zone. It's the same thing with the Saints. Well, because you you started a bad quarterback. And now you've got a quarterback that's going through growing pains. Now, contrary to everyone's beliefs, call this a hot take if you will, I don't think Kenny Pickett's going to be a bad quarterback in the NFL. I think he's going to have a good career. Now, do I think he's going to be Josh Allen? No. But do I think he could be a Kirk Cousins-esque type guy? You know, middle-of-the-road quarterback. Some people really like him. Some people think he's overrated. Yeah. I could see Kenny Pickett being that guy. Ryan, he's the, he's the new Ryan age, Tannehill type of guy. He's the new-age Teddy Bridgewater because he wears gloves. Exactly. Exactly. A middle-of-the-road quarterback, nothing to lead about him, nothing. Hopefully you don't have to worry about a huge ACL tear that takes you out for two years. Well, but God. Uh, no kidding. Hope they're, like, like Hopefully said, it doesn't steer you out of the way. Nothing super starry uh, about Kenny Pickett, but I, I think he has a good career in the NFL, and, and he's always going to be on a team somewhere. Hour number one is just about done. 
In our number two, we're going to talk with Jake Crane, host of Crane & Company for Jake's Takes. We're also going to talk to Blaine Henry about the UFC card this weekend. Quick check on the poll question before we head to a break. Comment from Bork Choppa. That's my guy, Logan Bork. LSU was an underdog team going into this year whose mission is proving everyone wrong. Got validation against Bama. Now it's time to do it again and not sink down to Arkansas's level. BK knows he needs to be flawless the rest of the year. This is not a trap game. Eh. It's a trap game. Just because he knows he needs to be flawless doesn't mean that this isn't a trap. It's a trap game. It has every ingredient of being a trap game. Hour number one, come and gone. Hour number two, Going to be just as fun, so don't move a muscle. This is the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Jake Crane, after this top of the hour sports update. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is hour number two on a Friday. Matt Miguez, James Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It is Friday, it is 5 o'clock, and that means it is time for Jake's Takes with our guy, Jake Crane, the host of Crane & Company. Jake, what's going on, my guy? How are you? Guys, it's always great coming on here, not only to talk to y'all, but it means it's Friday evening, which means we're one step closer to Saturday morning. Which means that we're one step closer to sitting on the couch with an adult beverage watching college football. God's music to my ears, from your word, from your lips to God's ears, my friend. Absolutely. So let's start before we get to college football. Let's start in the NFL. Uh, the the hiring of, of Jeff Saturday has just taken the NFL world by storm. <laughs> what are your What are your thoughts on the move? Well, I think it shows you how bad the offenses are in the NFL right now. When we're talking about an interim head coach for a team that's basically out of contention. Uh, with a quarterback that's probably not going to be a guy that's in the NFL for that long. Look, my thing is this. It, was it the greatest hire in the world? No, but it's the interim head coach tag. I mean, look, Jeff Saturday, I don't think he wants to be the head coach long term. And, and look, I, I understand you don't have coaching experience. You know, I understand what Joe Thomas and, and Andrew Whitworth and those guys are, are implying, but let's not act like Jeff Saturday doesn't know what's going on around a football facility. I mean, the guy is a Hall of Fame center. Uh, he went won a Super Bowl, went to another, played with Peyton Manning. He understands the relationship between the coaches and the players. And, guys, the NFL isn't college. The players are making more than the coaches. Like, it's, it's, it's a totally different world. So you can't think that it's that the players get treated the same or, or the practices are the same. Uh, it's just the nature of the beast. I can understand why people have a gripe about it, but the fact that it's made this much news shows you how bad the offenses are. I mean, this take is the Thursday night football of takes so far. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty crazy to me as, as well. The other thing that kind of strikes me as odd is the situation with the Washington Commanders getting sued by the Attorney General of D.C. What do you make of that? Yeah, well, when you say you have dirt on 31 other people that are almost or more rich than you are, that's never a good strategy. Uh, look, Dan Snyder, I think he's—I don't think he's a good person either. Uh, so I'm not going to cry any tears, but I was very excited 
to see that Roger Goodell was named in the lawsuit. Go get him, too. He's the biggest crook of all of them. He's nothing but a puppet with two eyes and nose and a mouth. And I hope he gets it worse than anybody because nobody deserves it better. Look, you, you lied to the, the charges that they lied to D.C. residents about how bad it was. You can't do that, guys. You can't do that. Now, will they be held accountable? I don't know. I feel like you get rich enough to a point where you don't get held accountable for anything. Uh, but it's an interesting, it's an interesting situation. And man, the commanders, Redskins, whatever you want to call them, that organization has just been an absolute dumpster fire. It seems like for the past couple of years. Thursday night football last night, Jake. Why couldn't you Falcons get it done? Man, why do you think I'm a Falcons fan, man? Like, thank goodness I'm not a Falcons fan. Um. You know, the weather was awful. I thought P.J. Walker played really well. I mean, nobody was going to go out there and throw for 300 yards. Uh, I thought he bounced back from a really bad performance the week before. Carolina took it to him on the ground. Uh, I mean, the Falcons, it seemed like they couldn't really get anything going in the run game, and that's been the ticket for them. Uh, They run to open the play action, to use Mariota's legs as well. Uh, You add the bad elements with the Falcons' lack of ability to run the ball, and then the front seven, you know, getting ran through like a finish line at a cross-country meet, uh, that spells disaster even for a team as bad as the Panthers. How about the Louisiana Rage and Cajuns getting a 19-point win at home last night? Yeah, it was a big one. Uh, Georgia Southern, you know, with Clay Helton, they've had some nice wins this year. The Sun Belt's really tough, man. I coached it, and I understand it. Uh, it was nice for them to be able to get that dub and, and get some positive momentum. Uh, Cone, who's, you know, got some people that are related to him pretty closely that, that are pretty high up at Georgia Southern, he wasn't a huge fan of it. But at the end of the day, it's really tough to go down there and beat the Raging Cajuns in their own place. All right, Jake, don't freak out, but there's more NFL games to pick than college games this weekend. But uh, Look, put him in the ring. I'll fight him. Let's let's dive into it. Let's start with LSU this time. You know, 11 a.m. tomorrow. They're traveling up to Arkansas. It's going to be incredibly cold. LSU obviously coming off that major win over Alabama last Friday. This has the makings of a trap game. No. Uh, I mean, look, it's the perfect recipe. I mean, this is basically Arkansas' Super Bowl now that they've kind of underachieved this year due to injuries and some other things. And it's a rivalry game. Uh, you know, you, you look at the identities of both these teams. LSU's been a team that's continued to improve, that has just played so much more clean than what they played earlier in the season when they were losing games. They're letting other teams beat themselves. But, you know, when I look at this matchup, Arkansas struggled to stop the run. With that weather, I think you're going to see LSU try and establish the run. That's why I think the, the under may not be a bad play at all for this game due to the weather and, and how these teams operate. You know, LSU's a three-and-a-half-point favorite right now. I don't want to come right out and say I think Arkansas is going to win it, but I feel like this is a field goal game back and forth, and whoever has the most success on the ground is going to win it. I actually don't disagree with you. I I could see this game being – it's one of those games to me where I could see it being a 14-point win for LSU or I could see it being a three-point loss. Yeah, K.J. Jefferson, I mean, you shut him down, you shut them down. Yeah, no doubt about it. Alabama, Ole Miss, you know, this game's so intriguing to me because Ole Miss – I still think Ole Miss is a great football team, uh, even though LSU was able to handle them. But, you know, you look at Alabama, two losses now – they're not the team that many people maybe thought that they were coming into the year. Lane Kiffin would, would love to get one on Nick Saban. Who wins this one? Man, you know, I just really struggle coming to terms with the fact that in this game, Lane Kiffin's the team that is a ground and pound to play action, and Alabama runs the ball 88th most in the country, and they average their top five in yards per carry when they do run it. I never thought I would, I would see the roles reverse like that with the way Lane's built and the way that Nick has been built. 
You know, it's going to be a tough game. Ole Miss is going to be hyped up. I just don't trust Jackson Dart. I just don't trust him. You know, like, look, it could be a great scenery. It's going to be a raucous crowd, a lot on the line. Ole Miss, I don't think for four quarters, if Alabama shuts down the run somewhat, that Jackson Dart is good enough to throw them to a win. Uh, they, they tried to pitch backwards against LSU a little bit, talking about Ole Miss. They came out and caught, caught LSU off guard throwing it early. But over four quarters, gravity took effect. You take away the run, Jackson Dart is an absolute liability because he doesn't see linebackers in pass coverage. I would not be shocked if this game was determined by a pick six off a bad decision by Jackson Dart. I like Alabama in this one. Let's go to New Orleans and the American Conference. Can the two-lane green wave keep riding this wave? Yeah, Willie Fritz, a uh, guy that was at Georgia Southern, speak of the devil, Georgia Southern, he used to beat us upside down when I was in South Alabama. Tulane, it's, you know, if they didn't lose the Southern Miss, we could, it'd be very interesting here down the stretch. And now with the 12 team playoff, you do get that group of five team that's going to be in there, I believe. So uh, when I look at this matchup, UCF and John Reese Plumley, he's not a great thrower of the ball. They do run it really well. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, Jonah Hill and Superbad on the dance floor. They're like, you know, is that the only move you got? Throwing the dice move. Look, it's the only one he's got. You got to run with it. Um, you know, I, I want to say Tulane in this game. I really want to say Tulane. I think Pratt, uh, his veteran leadership, I think pushes them over the edge. I think they find a way to win. I think it may be a lot more low scoring than what people think, and I think that bodes well for Tulane. Georgia and Mississippi State. Can Mississippi State mm-hmm. hang with the Bulldogs? For a little bit. For a little bit. I think State, you know, they're really let down with the way they played against Alabama, and then they really dropped the ball against Kentucky. If they don't stop the run – which shocks me with the Zach Arnett coach defense, their D.C. over there, uh, then Georgia's going to murder them. Because uh, Georgia still is a run-the-pass team, uh, but if Mississippi State's not able to stop them, Georgia's going to try and keep everything in front. There's a recipe to stopping the air raid. My question for Mike Leach is, when they give you that light box earlier in the year, you were running it, you all kind of went away from it. Uh, you can't get greedy or they're going to run you out of the gym. Uh, do they cover the 16-and-a-half? I don't think so. I think Georgia wins this game by 14. How impressed are you with Shane Beamer in South Carolina? Yeah, you know, I, I think he's done one of the best jobs this year with, with a roster that's devoid of talent. I mean, you look at what they lost last year. Uh, I mean, hell, and I know they had a GA starting at quarterback. You get Spencer Rattler, who I don't think is, is what everybody else thinks he is. But this is the wor- one of the worst rosters Shane Beamer will ever have. You're having to, to operate through an SEC that is obviously very dangerous. There's landmines everywhere. I think he's done a hell of a job. They've got – Tough three three game road stretch here. I mean, you go to Florida, uh, you go to Clemson, and you got Tennessee. That's uh, the clockwork orange if I've ever seen it. Washington and Oregon in the Pac-12. It's, you know, here's the thing: Oregon's going to be able to score on Washington's defense. Everybody has the thing that Oregon has to do uh, is is play over the top and let Michael Penix get greedy. I don't think Washington can go eight, nine, ten plays, checking it down and throwing the intermediate pass game and running the ball consistently enough to score with Oregon. On the opposite side, if I'm Washington, I am mixing up so many looks for Bo Nix because when Bo Nix thinks, Pat Nix drinks. Uh, I, I would show him a lot. I do different things. Out of the same pre-snap look, kind of what Texas did to Bryce Young. I thought that was brilliant by Gary Patterson. Uh, so give me Oregon uh, and also the over. TCU in Texas. Man, look, I, if Texas will lean on B. John Robinson in the second half instead of trying to just out-scheme everybody every play and get cued, I think they're going to win the game. That doesn't mean that Max Dugan and the alien receiver room that they have with Quentin Johnson and Darius Davis and those guys can't be effective. 
Uh, if TCU's defense isn't able to keep Texas out of the out of the end zone when they get in the red zone, uh, if they turn into a bend and also break instead of a bend but don't break, I think Texas could win by double digits. But I do like you know Max Duggan's leadership. He's been there. He's got experience. But guys. Speaking of Gary Patterson, he knows Mac, Max Duggan's strengths and weaknesses, and don't be shocked if you saw a great plan for Texas this weekend. All right, Jake, let's go to the NFL now, chatting with Jake Crane. Saints and Steelers, this game is going to be so, so ugly. You know what, after what the Saints did to me when I bet on them on Monday, like, you know, at, at this point, you're dead to me. Andy Dalton, you're dead to me. Alvin Kamara, you're dead to me. Dennis Allen, if it was me, you'd have been fired after the last game. You look like a deer in the headlights over there. I know Thank you've you. had injuries, but uh, some of the decisions Thank he's you. made made me wonder if he has a brain injury. That's That may be the biggest injury that they have. I mean, he's made more poor decisions than just about anybody I've ever seen uh, when it comes down to it. I don't think he could do it. That's why you don't hire your friends. This is a great example. Dennis Allen is a great example of why you don't hire your friends. To be honest with you, I hope the Steelers win because the faster Dennis Allen gets out of town, the better for the Saints. Uh, at this point, go get Bryce Young. Great minds think alike, Jake. I've been saying it for, for weeks now that, that Dennis Allen just can't do it. Can't do it, man. Some guys just he's not he's not ready. He can't do it. I know Sean Payton left unexpectedly, but you could have gone out and got a better coach. Dennis Allen just hired all his drinking buddies, and now they they you know you, you look good a little bit with Andy Dalton at quarterback, but the defense is, it plays bad. Then the defense plays decent, and the offense plays bad. It's bad complimentary football because you have a bad head coach. Vikings and Bills. And it all comes down to Josh Allen's going to play. Yep. Now, if Josh plays, how effective will he be? It's in Buffalo. The spidey senses are tingling on, on Kirk Cousins having a big game. It's at noon. Noon Kirk Cousins on Sunday is the most dangerous Kirk Cousins. I think the Bills win, but I think the Vikings cover. I think a walk-off field goal beats them. Broncos-Titans? Oh, man. Boy, boy. Boy, did the Broncos get fleeced in that Russell Wilson trade. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you paid that guy that much money to do high knees for three hours on a plane ride back from the loss. I mean, nobody's done that since Richard Simmons. Uh, but when I look at this game, I think it's going to be low scoring. Uh, Derek Henry's obviously going to – I hope he's able to find room. He's on my fantasy team. I think it's going to be low scoring and ugly. I like the Titans at home. I like the momentum they have. I still don't trust Ryan Tannehill, though. Cowboys and Packers. Well, I mean, who's Aaron going to throw to? That's the question. I mean, everybody talks about Aaron Rodgers. Should they trade him? <laughs> then what? Then you've got absolutely nothing. I mean, you basically got me outside at wide receiver right now, and you didn't draft a wide receiver in the deepest wide receiver draft I've ever seen. You deserve nothing but poverty, and that's what you're getting this year. Uh, I think the Cowboys' defense is too much. Even if Aaron Jones is able to get loose a little bit and, and Tanyan has a big game uh, in the seam and, uh, you know, Alan Lazard, who, it, you know, that's your wide receiver one. Let's all look at each other and laugh. Uh, but I don't, I don't think they'll have enough. The Cowboys, you know, the moves that they made, I think getting Zeke back healthy with Tony Pollard just freaking out every time, which has been a great, you know, a great asset for them, not only running the ball but catching the ball. I like the Cowboys in this game because that Cowboys defense is nasty, fellas. Nasty with a capital N. Can Jeff Saturday lead the Colts to, to a win on Sunday? Who do they got? The Raiders. Oh, I mean, look, now that Hunter Renfro's out, Waller's out, I know they have Devontae Adams, but that's about it. Speaking about guys with one move, you know, the under looks great, uh, but I think the Raiders do find a way uh, just because there's been so much turnover with the Colts. And, you know, I, I watched Sam Ehlinger uh, supposed to be back for three years at Texas. I just don't trust them. Cardinals and Rams. 
Well, Matt Stafford's not going to play, but the Cardinals have let me down more than a father that disappeared on you when you went to get milk when you were six. So it's hard for me to trust him. Uh, Kyler Murray and D-Hop. D-Hop's just looking at him like, I don't understand why you won't throw me the ball. And Kyler Murray's too worried about finding cheat codes for Call of Duty. So I think this could be ugly. Uh, but I think, the, I think the Cardinals actually do find a way. I think they get a defensive score to win it. Chargers and Niners? And give me the Niners. The Chargers are just so beat up. And we the Niners are getting so much I mean, back, it's, it's too. A tri- it's a triage tent right now. Uh, Austin Eckler's a witch. Uh, you know, but Mike Allen, Mike Williams out. Keenan Allen has more setbacks than a crack addict. So it's unbelievable watching what's happened to the Chargers from an injury standpoint. So uh, I'll, I'll go with the Niners. Adding CMC. Debo Samuels coming back after not playing last week. Give me San Fran. And then lastly, before the 2020 NFL draft, the Vikings traded – Stephon Diggs to the Bills, and the Vikings got the 22nd overall pick, which they used to draft Justin Jefferson. In your opinion, is that the most even trade of all time? Man, it is, I mean, it's look, every, you know, let's shake hands and look each other in the eyes and walk away. Good job, fellas. Everybody wins. Uh, it's, it's about as even as it gets. I would say right now, obviously, you'd have to buy Justin Jefferson, right, over the next five years. He's younger. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, I, like, Stephon Diggs is, is still unbelievably deadly. He's so quick. Uh, I think that was a very even trade and well done by both organizations. Jake Crane, the host of Crane & Company, joining us for Jake's Takes. Jake, appreciate you each and every week, bud. We'll do it again next Friday. All right, fellas. Good luck this weekend. Appreciate y'all. And there he goes, Jake Crane. If you were looking for great stocking stuffers for the holiday season, look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to earn some excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, a $50 gift certificate to Hashell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by joining the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Take a time out. James and I will bring you our picks for the weekend next here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Score update from Asheville, North Carolina at the 10.50 mark of the first half. Louisiana leads Harvard 16-10 in the Asheville Championship. That's right. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns are playing Harvard. So we'll keep you updated throughout the next half an hour or so of our show with score updates in that one. All right, James, let's make our game picks. LSU-Arkansas. That's, it's, it's, it's a trap game. It is. It is. Uh, before before I make my pick, appreciate Dash for calling in. So I play this week in crunch in the crunch time fantasy league, and we both mutually agreed. It's like, look, we're looking to at least get podium if that means you get bottom two. Yikes! Yikes! Yeah. All right. I'll take LSU. Yeah, I'm gonna take LSU too. I mean. I think with this, it's going to be close throughout the game because you have to throw out the records in this one. It doesn't matter how, what the difference in skill level is between the two. It's always going to be a lot closer, but I think LSU can pull away last minute and win by about 10, 10 to 14 points. I think they could make it a two-touchdown game by yep. the end of it. Uh, I'm, I'm feeling the same way. I'm, I'm leaning towards a 7 to 10-point LSU win in that one. Alabama Ole Miss. Alabama's angry. There's no doubt about that. Correct. 
Ole Miss. I mean, Lane Kiffin would love to pull to pull a fast one in Oxford. He would, but I don't think it's going to happen. I don't like the twelve point spread in favor of Alabama. I still will take them because I still think they can win by a touchdown. But I feel like this one will end up being a lot closer, and it and it almost becomes another scare like how it was early in the season with Bama and uh, Texas. Ole Miss wins. Oh, Ole Miss wins. Oh man, upset alert! Bama has three losses on the year. I need actually. That's another sound effect we could get. Yeah, upset alert. Just get like an alarm. Yeah, don't just be like upset alert. Ole Miss wins. They're at home. Lane Kiffin's gonna want to pull one on them. This is his perfect opportunity to do so. Uh, I I think the fact that Bama already has two losses, they're gonna feel a little dejected. And I think Ole Miss can catch them. Regardless, it's going to be a close game. There's no, but I'm, I'm going to pick Ole Miss in, in this one. UCF in Tulane. Gus Malzahn's a scary dude, but then again, so is Willie Fritz. This it's it's a narrow one. The uh, the Green Wave only it's like point and a half, isn't it? Point. It's a point. Point point and a half, depending on where you look at your sports books, where they have the spread. It's re- it's supposed to be a really close one. I'm gonna still lean with the green wave though. I'm yeah. still I'm a swag surf on this one. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go UCF. Okay. I'm gonna go UCF. Um because here's the thing, man. If if Tulane finishes ten and two, like who's who's griping? I know I'm not. I wouldn't be, I but mean, I still think they'll win this game. It'll be a close one, no question. I think I think them being at home could give them a leg up if they if they can take advantage of it for sure. Georgia, Mississippi State. Battle of the Bulldogs. Georgia. Ooga. It'll be close for a half. Yeah, uh, I think they turn up in the second and half. Georgia and just away. runs away with it in the second half. Brock Bowers, that dude is gnarly. Gnarly at the tight end spot. Washington, Oregon. Bo Nix. Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought? They started to eat his Wheaties this year. After watching him at, at Auburn, you see, when he got to Auburn, I was like, you know, this kid could be really good. And he was in spurts. But then he had spurts where he was really bad. And the whole time, my thought was, I just don't think he fits in the SEC. I don't think he fits at Auburn. And could I have been right? Maybe a little. Because he is lighting the world on fire in the Pac-12. Give me the Ducks. Same here. Bo Nix, give me the Ducks. I think that, the, that dude the is special. The fact that he's actually been performing really well, and they've been doing really good since that week one loss to Georgia. They've turned it around, and I think you got to stick with it. This one's going to be fun. TCU in Texas. This game is going to be a doozy. Texas is a seven-point favorite, which really... Kind of shocks me. Well, it's in Austin. It is in Austin, but usually, if you're going to give it to them, I would understand four, maybe four and a half. Yeah. But the fact that it's seven, seven and a half. Well, because a lot of people look at TCU and go. But you also look well, at how they played to start the game last week. Well, right. And then a lot of people look at TCU's schedule and go, well, you know, they haven't really played anybody other than the teams that they've beaten in the Big 12. So a lot of people are still kind of skittish on TCU. I'm still skittish on Texas. 
I don't know how great they really are. So TCU needs to win this to keep themselves alive if they want to be potentially in in the playoff at the end of the year. So I, this is a must win for them. Yeah, TCU has to be undefeated to be in the playoffs. They have to be. They have to be undefeated Big 12 champs to, to make the playoff. Um, I'm going to take the Longhorns. I'm going to take the long. I think the Longhorns are going to shake up the playoff picture tomorrow. Things are, things are going to get interesting. Bow the horns. McNeese, Houston Christian. Oh, those Huskies. Both two and seven. I think the fact that I, the way I see it is you finally get that monkey off your back. You kind of feel a little good. You, fi- you finally get a win if you're McNeese. And because you've been so close the last few weeks, I think you're able to get it done here. It's another struggling program. It's going to be on the road. But I think you can get it done and then potentially win the last game of the season because you only have 11 games on schedule. So I yeah. think them finishing off 4-7 and seven and on a three-game winning streak, that's going to be really good Magnus. for them. I'll take Magnus. All right, let's go to the NFL. Saints-Steelers. Ugly, ugly, ugly. And did I say ugly? You forgot to mention ugly. Did I? I think you did. I think it's going to be ugly. Okay. I'm taking Steelers. Saints win. Reverse psychology. Saints win. Jarvis Landry has a 100-yard game. Saints oh. win. Oh, that'd be great. I don't know who's – I think Jameis plays quarterback. I think you're going to start Andy, and he's not going to play well. And you, You'd see so, Jameis at some so point. So you're down like, what, 10-0, 13-0 at halftime, and you're like, all right, Jameis, you got it. All right, Jameis, get in here. Yep, you got it. Defense gets a couple picks. We're rolling. We're oh. good. You think they're going to get picks? I mean, I hope so. Wow. <laughs> I hope so. It's Kenny Pickett. If I know. If they're going to pick off any quarterback, it's Kenny Pickett. You you would think they would. Rookie Kenny Pickett, no less. Right. Vikings and Bills this game. Jake put it perfectly. That's weird. Does Josh Allen play? That's the X factor. If Josh Allen plays, I think it's close regardless, but I think the Bills win. I'm going to take – I think the fact that he's – Affected by this injury, I'm going to take the Vikings because people are so skeptical about them being seven one. I think yep. this would be a statement game for them to be like, "Hey, no, we, we we're are, legit. Yeah, we're legit. That's fair. That'll be a good game, no question about it." Broncos and Titans. Ugh, it's weird. Uh, I don't Ugh. know. Maybe those high knees on the plane really has turned the Broncos no. team around, dude. The Broncos might have gotten fleeced worse than the Vikings did in the Herschel Walker trade. With Bradley Chubb. I mean, this is horrible. It's terrible. The Seahawks got... I mean, the Broncos got Russ and some guy I've never heard of. Well, this one's in Tennessee, actually, right? This one's in Tennessee? Yeah. I may stick with them because you look at it, they only ran like 20 plays all night against the Chiefs, and they still had to go to overtime and lose. After the Chiefs had to run 900 plays. Mm-mm. So the fact Broncos could like start turning around, but now that I think about it, I'm going to go with Tennessee. I'm going to take the Titans as well. Um, Broncos need some serious. I don't believe in any of their quarterbacks right work. now, but defense and Derrick Henry, I guess. Yep. Cowboys and Packers. This game could be fun. It'll be interesting. Uh, I'm going to go with Cowboys because to me, they have more to play for since they're a lot closer. In the division race, in the NFC East, compared to the NFC North with the Packers. Yeah, I'm gonna take the uh, I'm gonna take the Cowboys in this one as well. Um, 
Aaron Rodgers just isn't the same guy that that he used to be. Colts Raiders can Jeff can El Jefe, El Jefe be one and zero as a coach? No, I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> straight up. No, no, I I don't believe it. Okay, I'm gonna go with the Raiders in this one. The struggling. If 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 they're gonna win any game all season, I think the Raiders would be the one to do it. But if you're the Raiders and you still lose this game, I almost feel like you gotta get rid of Josh McDaniels on the spot right now. C C E O C E O L T S Go Colts. You just made that up. I made that up on the fly, and I'm pretty impressed with it. Give me the Colts. Chargers, I mean, Cardinals and Rams. There you go. No Matthew Stafford. Kyler's worried about Cod. This game's terrible. Poor Cooper (laughs) It's it's gonna be bad. This is terrible. Poor poor John Wolford. That guy's gotta play. Like, why? Did you see that, uh, really quickly, did you see that Buda Baker video? No. Uh, well, go watch it whenever you get the chance. Okay. Uh, because I'm going to pick the Cardinals. Okay. I mean, I, I picked the Cardinals too, but I don't, I don't know what the Buda Baker video has to do with it. But anyways. go Just go watch. Chargers and Niners. 49ers. It's... Yeah, boy. They get everybody back. The whole band is back together. Debo. Jimmy, Jimmy G still sucks. I mean, I don't think he sucks. He's not very good. I I, He's barely I, we, serviceable. I, we agree to disagree. We can agree to disagree. Uh, Eli's back. Debo's back. Use is back. Ooh, the Niners about to start rolling. Can you imagine a backfield with McCaffrey and Juszczyk on either side of the quarterback? Ooh, gnarly. Take a timeout. Blaine Henry. Of the Fight Library joins us next for a conversation on USC 281 right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's time to talk UFC 281 from Madison Square Garden tomorrow night as our guy Dustin Poirier takes on Michael Chandler. Blaine Henry of the Fight Library joins us to discuss it all. Blaine, thank you so much for taking the time, man. What's going on? Not a whole lot, brother. We are just about to sit down and enjoy a good gumbo with this cold weather coming. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Speaking my kind of language, man. Oh yeah, come on. So give me give me your thoughts on 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 the card tomorrow night from MSG. Well, this is a very very good card. Lafayette fans, of course, are going to tune in and watch Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler, which is probably the most exciting fight on the card. These two guys are both very explosive. We all know Dustin. He's been in wars and stuff. But if you haven't watched Michael Chandler, he's only been in the UFC for a couple fights, but he's been around for a while. Chandler is one of those fighters that will put the lights out at any second, or he'll get tired and put on a slugfest. So uh, that's definitely the fight to watch. But, of course, the main event, you've got Israel Adesanya, the middleweight champion, fighting Alex Pereira. The two met twice in kickboxing, and Pereira's beat him twice, once by knockout. And then you also have Carla Esparza defending her title against Jean Weili, another really tough fight, and that one should also be pretty decently exciting. So you talked about Poirier and Chandler. They've had some beef recently that led to this fight. Uh, you, you talked about it being probably the most exciting fight on the card, and I, I agree with you 100%. Who wins that fight, in your opinion? Come on, bro. I live 45 minutes west of y'all in Baton Rouge. 
Of course I'm going Dustin Poirier. Hey, I, I had to ask. I mean, I, I want Poirier to win, but I mean, I, you also got to be realistic at the same time. Look, I know Dustin's in uh, New York right now. He just got done. He made weight and stuff, but it is a grudge match. You know, Chandler said some things, and don't get me wrong. I, I think this is all fight talk, but Chandler's a good guy. But he did say, you know, oh, I forgot about Dustin Poirier. What's he done? And that, I mean, Dustin Poirier is probably the best fighter in the UFC to not win a belt ever. You know, he's just run up against killers. He has the best wins um, out of almost anybody. But, like, this fight is tailor-made for Dustin because how tough Chandler is. And it's a three-round fight, you know. So he he really doesn't have the advantage because his cardio is going to be better than Chandler's. And even though it's not five rounds, he can he can put out a little bit more and really work on Michael Chandler. Can Alex Pereira? You said he beat Israel Adesanya twice before. Can he beat him a third time when it matters for the middleweight title? I honestly don't think so. So if you go back and actually watch those kickboxing matches, um, the first fight was a decision, and I thought Adesanya won it. Uh, the second fight, Adesanya was just dismantling him before. Uh, Pereira drew him into a firefight and um, landed a clean left hook that he's so good at. But this Adesanya we see is a lot different. He's a lot more reserved. A lot of people call him boring because he he just completely shuts down what his opponents want to do. This one, though, it should be exciting um, because Pereira's not afraid to get hit, to land a hit. But at the end of the day, I think Adesanya's finesse, his, his style, you know, the last style bender, all of that, I think that's going to be the X factor here because he's a lot more mature as a striker than he was in 2017 when they last fought. And looking at the other main event, you talked about the the women's strawweight championship. Carla Esparza, she's on a mean streak. I mean, I I, I did some research and, and I looked back. She hasn't lost a match since 2018. Yeah. So Carla Esparza, she's real good. She's an American wrestler, and if she can get John Whaley down, she can win this fight. But the problem with that is if Carla Sparza wants to win this fight, she's going to have to make it a very boring fight like her last fight. John Wei Lee is a, a, an explosive fighter. She likes to bring the pace, and to slow that down, she's going to have to take her down and hold her there because John Wei Lee can pop up. But, I mean, all's fair in art and war, and that's what she has to do to win. And as a champion, you're supposed to go out there and win the fight. So if she has to make it boring, so be it. But... I do like Jean Wei in this fight. Um, she, she's a heartwarming person, first of all. She's always fun. Not saying that Esparza isn't, but um, she's explosive. She's exciting. She's been the champion once, and she's just a really fun fighter. She has a lot of cool things in her game. Chadwin Blaine Henry of the Fight Library. Could you see Dustin Poirier getting back in the lightweight title picture with a win tomorrow night? I don't know if he wants to, honestly. Uh, that guy that's a champion now, Islam Makachev, is a beast. A win, though, I mean, he, I would like to see him face um, one of the up-and-comers. You know, uh, Chandler's not really an up-and-comer, but you've got guys like Rafael Faziev, um, Matuj Gamrot, you got Benil Dariush, who has a strong shot for a title. But, I mean, if he goes out there and sparks Chandler and won, I don't see why he couldn't get a title shot. I don't know if he deserves it yet based off of his last two performances in title fights, but two or three wins, yeah, I could see him back in the picture for sure. Now, I know he's not on the UFC 281 card, but can we talk about Sugar Sean O'Malley for a second? I mean, this guy, oh, yeah, 
This guy has just been so much fun to watch, and he's just so impressive. Yeah, he's one of the most technically sound fighters in the bantamweight division when it comes to striking. A lot of people say, oh, his wrestling, you know, this, that, but I think he fared very well against Petter Yan, who was the scariest guy in the division for a long time. Um, he comes up, he's Sean O'Malley's ranked like 14 or 15, and Petter Yan's the number one guy in the division. And Sean O'Malley goes out there and shows, yeah, I've been fighting nobody this whole time, but guess what? I'm a real fighter, and I'm going to show you that. That was one of the best fights I've seen in a long time. Another guy on, the, on that is on the card tomorrow night that, that's pretty fun to watch, and he's been around for he's been around the block a time or two. It's Dan Hangman, Hangman Hooker. Just talk about you know his career up until this point, and you know to be honest, how much longer you could see him going. Honestly, this fight is a tough one for Dan Hooker. Claudio Puelles is a very good fighter, and I. I this is kind of one of those fights that's like, all right, this is a this is a coming of the guard for Claudio. He's you know he's a slight underdog, and that's because Hooker has the name. But this young man, he's 26 years old. Um, he's fighting a 32 year old Dan Hooker. Who honestly, if we're being honest, guys, the man that broke Dan Hooker was Dustin Poirier. They went mm-hmm. through that knockdown, dragout, five round war in 2020, and since then he's won one fight and lost three. Um, and he was knocked out in all three of those, you know. And one of those was to the current champ, Islam Makachev. But, you know, Dan Hooker is 32 in, in the division he's in. That's getting up there in age, just a little bit to the end of his prime. And he's just been through a lot. But I'd like to see him turn back the clock and, and get us get on the, the, the win column and maybe, you know, make it a, uh, a city kickboxing night because him and Israel and Sonya train at the same gym. And then, you know, lastly, looking ahead to UFC 282 a little bit, uh, Patty uh-huh. Pimblett's on the card. And, uh, again, kind of like Sugar Sean O'Malley, Patty's just a, a character. Yeah, so he came out of nowhere. But I've been watching him for a while because I saw one of his fights randomly in the regional scene in the U.K., and I was like, this cat's fun. You know, he's not the most technically savvy fighter, but he's taking a step up in competition. Um, And we're looking, I'm going to touch on this, like, a lot of the time, fighters, fans of those fights are like, oh, man, they don't make fighters like uh, uh, Jose Aldo anymore or Max Holloway anymore, not realizing that the Sean O'Malley's, the, you know, the Patty Pimbas and stuff, this is the next generation of fighters that we're watching. Um, You got fighters like Ignacio Bajamandez, um, and all these guys, they're very, very good. And these fighters are better now, earlier than the champions of yesterday were. And Patty the Batty is one of those guys. He's exciting. He's brash. He's got that Conor McGregor like swag to him. Um, and he can he can choke anybody on the planet out just about. Last one for you, Blaine, and it's LSU related because I I know you live in Baton Rouge and you got to be a Tigers fan if you live in Baton Rouge. Oh, of course, I'm still high off of that Alabama game. Well, of course you are, right? Okay, so tomorrow morning against Arkansas, that's a trap game, right? I mean, let's be honest here. We've watched LSU go play Arkansas at Arkansas time and time again, and for some reason, Arkansas could be like 0-8 at the time, and they play LSU like a top-five team. It absolutely drives me crazy. But the caveat to that is since 2020, LSU and Alabama, um, after they played – LSU's won 10 of those matches. 
And after those 10, LSU is exactly 10-0. and 0. So, you know what? Tigers are going to go for the blowout this time. Blaine Henry, the host of the Fight Library. Blaine, appreciate you as always, man. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the card, and uh, we'll talk again. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Take it easy. And there he goes, Blaine. Henry, Delta Media is your home for thrilling high school football playoff action. The Acadiana Reckon Rams will begin their playoff run at home tonight, and you can hear it on MeTV 97.7 FM and 13.30 AM. Also, Vermillion Parish Game of the Week will feature Erath hosting Eunice and can be heard on 106.3 Radio Lafayette, while the St. Landry Parish Game of the Week will broadcast Northwest at Iota and can be heard on News Talk 98.5 and 1520 AM. So tune in tonight to Delta Media. It's your home for Friday Night Football. Take a time out, wrap up your work week right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the Houston Astros and the Fighting Tigers of LSU. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You can listen to all your favorite Christmas classics or local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Nonstop Christmas music 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Listen live at lachristmaschannel.com or download the free mobile app on both Apple and Android devices. You can also listen on your Amazon Alexa. Listen to some holiday cheer with the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 554 here on your Friday. You want a, you want a definition real quick? Of what? A trap game. Sure. A game in which a playoff contender, fits LSU's bill, wow. faces a losing team. Arkansas! But one still has some motivation for playing hard, i.e. that stupid trophy. Because <laughs> that thing is ugly. Oh, God. You don't disgrace the golden boot like oh, that. It's, oh, it's so... You know you know what's funny? It, it's it, When I was a kid... And then Ann possesses some matchup advantages. Which... So, right, right. Okay, so when I was a kid, LSU-Arkansas was Black Friday. Every year. I believe so, yeah. Every yeah, it, year. It was, it was roughly about that time. When I was a kid. It was the Friday after Thanksgiving. And so, you know... As a family, we sat there and we watched LSU Arkansas. The it, purple and gold's bleeding right out of you. It wasn't until about five years ago that I realized that the trophy was made up of the outline of Louisiana and Arkansas. Are you joking? I was like, I say five years ago. I was like in high school when it, when that clicked for me. Yeah, Matt. Yeah. I noticed it like the first time I saw it. Well, you know, congratulations to you, James. You're like, wow, wait a minute. That looks kind of familiar. I said, that makes sense. Oh, my God. Wait a minute. Arkansas? Louisiana? Arkansas, touch a, each other? A giant boot? That makes oh my so God. God. I know. That's crazy. It's crazy, and it's a piece of solid gold. That's why they call it the golden boot. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? You're not, not Matt Miguez. Not, apparently not Matt Miguez. Is LSU versus Arkansas trap game? So far, 32% say yes. 18% say that they are nervous either way. And 50% say no. I think I just disproved you. We just disproved all of you. 
It is a trap game. The Tigers are riding high after a big win against Alabama. Arkansas wants to play spoiler. It's a trap game. Because if you lose, guess what? You're done. Sure, you can still make it to the SEC championship game. You're not making the playoff. Playoffs? Are you kidding me? We'll be, we'll be lucky if we can win the damn game. The playoffs. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Crunch Time here on The Game. Really want to take the opportunity to thank Jake Crane for joining us each and every Friday, as well as Blaine Henry of the Fight Library for joining us today to talk about all things UFC 281. Come back on Monday. We'll chat with Wilson Alexander, recap the LSU-Arkansas game. We'll recap UFC 281. And we will talk some New Orleans Saints. Hopefully, it'll be a magnificent Monday. But uh, we'll, we'll have to wait on that one. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. Enjoy the cold weather, whip up a gumbo or two. Sit by a fire, have a good time. And uh, we'll talk to you on Monday right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.